You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School class, led by Pastor Greg Voorhees, Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, November 19, 2023. For more information, you can visit the, their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social at svbcfamily. Oh, yeah. It was a good game. Because we could have scored way more. The... Uh, Salter dove into the end zone and he and he lost the ball and they the other side picked it up in the end zone got a touchback and whole fourth quarter Liberty was so far ahead they didn't care they put in a second string quarterback and I, I mean they just they weren't they weren't trying to run the score up but but they definitely they Eric, definitely manhandled him. Eric was upset yesterday. JMU lost the first loss this year. Oh wow. To Appalachian State. Wow. Now, New Mexico State, who Liberty's playing for the championship in the conference, destroyed Auburn yesterday. Which, which New Mexico State should not have destroyed Auburn. That's that's. It was like thirty-one to ten. I mean, it was it was bad. But that's who we're playing in the championship. So they've got a they got a fire under them right now. Apparently. <laughs> oh my! All right, let's let's uh, pray and we'll dig in there. Lesson eight. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you as we as, as we start our final chapter of our study, God, that uh, we thank you for the lessons we've learned, the things we've talked about. God, and we ask that we continue to use this to make us more and more like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So 118 has our, has our verse uh, for lesson 8. It's Isaiah 43. 16 through 19, it says this. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariots and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So the page 119 and part of 120 was just a video clip. We're going to start out reading a new thing on page 120. It says, most of us are, most of us are wary of new things. Familiarity is comfortable and predictable, whereas change brings the unknown. The unknown is scary and strange and uncomfortable and unpredictable. But surrendering to Jesus as Lord doesn't have much room for things to stay the same since he's committed to changing their hearts and lives and also the whole wide world. In episode 8 of The Chosen called I Am He, the disciples are being introduced to a concept of change, radical change in fact. They went from living in houses to pitching tents, uh, from earning their own way to depending on Jesus to show them the way spiritually and literally. Since they were following him from town to town, um, from making plans for their own lives to having no plans other than serving God for the rest of their lives, so much change uh, would have been debilitating. Wouldn't have been debilitatingly scary, except for the fact, 
except for the fact that it wasn't. So question one is, the new thing, what new thing are you afraid Jesus might lead you to go, lead you to? Missionary work, adoption, ending a toxic relationship, sharing your faith, leaving your job, so many terrifying options. Feel free to name more than one. So what, what scary thing do you think Jesus might be calling you to do? Nobody has scary things? <laughs> no scary things? There's no such thing as trivial. Yeah, when, if, if God's calling you to speak to a group of people, that's, and that's something that's scary, that's, that, that's, that's, that's not trivial. You know, some, some people... Some people, when getting in front of a group of people, I mean, that's it's it's terrifying. You, you know, it's it's you know, my our grandson, uh, he was had a part in the Christmas Eve play at at, at at church at his church, and he told them they absolutely under no circumstance that he wanted a speaking part. Well, they they made him Joseph. And, and the uh, so I can only imagine what's going through his mind. Apparently, Joseph doesn't have to talk a lot in their play, but it's still, uh, you know, he's he's like, I, I don't want I don't want to be up front and center. So what's, so what's he do? He's he's the earthly father of Jesus. There's nothing that <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that did not go the way he was expecting. Sharing your faith is, it can be very scary, you know, because you, we are, we're, we're afraid of being rejected, we're afraid of being labeled as being strange, peculiar, you know, the old Jesus freaks from the 70s, you, you know, that's, that, that's, uh, sharing your, sharing your faith can, can, can be very, very scary, because, it tends to have one of two two reactions: either people respond in the way that you think, or they they you know some people get stupid with you. You know that's that's. I remember as a young person, you know, sharing my faith with somebody, and I was talking about God being a father. Well, this dude wanted to fight because his dad was a bad dude. You know, he didn't want nothing to do with a, he didn't want anything to do with a father. You know, a father figure. You know, so you you never know, you never know what's going to happen. Very cool. Disarm anybody. Wow. That's awesome. Some people, it's natural. You know, it really is. Some people, it's like I said, it's almost almost debilitatingly scary, like what what, what the book was saying. And, and many other things, you, you know. Do you think sometimes it's scary, not knowing or not knowing what God wants you to do, and 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 you know, worried about that? I think that can be a scary thing. 
you, you know, not only being afraid of what he might call you to, just being a, or, or even once you know, just being afraid of, hey, what, what might he be wanting me to do? You, you know, that could be a scary thing. The reassuring thing about it, though, is you're never alone. You know, it's one, God doesn't, God doesn't, you know, call qualified people to do things. He calls them and then he equips them to do things. He, you know, as God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. In that, there's an old, there's an old cliche thing from the church. But, but sometimes even if we don't feel worthy of doing what that thing is, you know, it's, you don't have to feel worthy because if you're doing it in his strength and because he's told you to do it, you're doing it on his strength and not your own. You know, so that's, that's, that's always a comforting thing, knowing that you're never alone. And if God's called you to do something, he's going to give you, he's going to give you what, what, what you need to finish the task. Absolutely. I can testify her voice is back. <laughs> you have a good time at the football game? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's another thing. You know, sometimes God does something really cool in our lives, and we're, we, we get this fear, fear about sharing it because we're worried about people thinking we're, we're, we're you know, nutty or, you know, or something like that. But, but you know, if God's God's called you to say something or to do something. Again, He equips you. A, a, a story that stands out for the most for me is is Moses. You know, God called Moses to do something. You know, go back and talk to Pharaoh. You know, tell him to set my people free. He had he had every excuse in the world. I'm not eloquent in speech. I'm not this. I'm not that. You, you know, he had. You know, Moses had all these excuses. He, you know, of why he wasn't good enough or wasn't equipped to do the thing that God wanted him to do. And, and to be honest, I'm sure there was fear there because, you know, what, what kind of caused them to run to the wilderness? I mean, he, he killed an Egyptian, he, you know, so he, he might have been thinking in the back of his head, too, they, they might kill me if I go back there. He, he, you know, there's a, you know, but, but God, God gave him literally everything that he needed. I mean, he gave him a, he gave him Aaron as his brother that he hadn't seen in so long to help him, you know, speak. He gave him, you know, the, the miracles, the plagues. I mean, he's, you know, Moses. He's a perfect example of God, God giving you what you need to get the job done that He has called you to do. Because none of that was Moses. Moses couldn't have done any of that stuff. You know, God God gave Moses what he needed to, to get the job done. All righty. Actually, let's read what this little teal writing is under the Old Testament context. It says, uh, reminiscing the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, 
God's presence in the cloud by day and the fire by night, provision of food and water in the desert, and so on and so forth. So the Old Testament context, throughout the study, we've referenced the Old Testament story of God rescuing His chosen people from the slavery in Egypt. The Exodus was such an important part of the Israelite history, its memory is often repeated throughout the Old Testament, as well as in Sunday school classes and sermons, and even the big screen, though Hollywood's not yet to do it justice. In fact, uh, 700 years after the curd, Isaiah reminisced about this too. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth a chariot and a horse, army and warrior, and lie them down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then God prompted, uh, promptly told his people to forget it. Remember not the former things, or consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Using words that recalled his past rescue, God specifically instructed, don't recall that past rescue, which seems paradoxical. But he didn't want Israel celebrating their history to the detriment of their future. He didn't want them thinking, thinking the God of miracles was a God of the past. Instead, he was asking them to follow the one who does new things, forges new paths, and carries his chosen people along. The Old Testament does that a lot. So much, so, so much of what the Hebrew people, a lot of their prayers and a lot of things they did, a lot of it was reminiscent of the of the miracles and the things God had done in, in the past. You know, the stories that they would tell their children was, was a reminder of the things God had done in the past. But, but, God, but God did know that, that sometimes we can get so hung up on, on, on our victories of our past that, that it, it, it kind of almost gets in the way of what He wants to do in the future because we, we get our heads stuck in the past we're supposed to remember those things, but we're not supposed to let that be an anchor, you know. And that's, you know, and we have a tendency of doing that. Think about even just Moses, you know, going back to Moses. The, you know, why did, you know, why did God not reveal to the Israelite people where Moses was was laid to rest? Because he's he was worried they'd stay there. That they'd get stuck there. That they would get so you know hung up on Moses the person and everything that had happened that they wouldn't want to move forward into into the promised land. You know, and that's I think that we have a tendency of doing that. If uh, it, it, this is a real, this is a terrible example for church because it was kind of, it was kind of an inappropriate TV show, but. You, you know, years ago when I watched, uh, was it Married with Children, Al Bundy. You know, think about this guy. He, you know, he was so tied into his, his, his memories of his football years in high school and how he was such a hero in high school that it was almost like it, it kind of kept him stuck in a place. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a shoe salesman, even though that was kind of, they maybe were kind of making fun of it. But but it was, you know, his mind was always backwards looking and never forwards looking. And, and, and what happened? He, he, he was in a rut. And, and he stayed there through the entire series of the, as long as the TV series ran. 
But God doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want our past victories to put us in a rut now. He wants us to look for the new thing, to, to move forward to the new thing and, and not get hung up on the past. Uh, question number two, why is it important for the Israelites to be reminded of God's faithfulness in the past, and why is it also important for them not to get stuck there? Why well, just sort of kind of answer that. Not so much the first part. Why is it important you know, for God to remember the Israelites of the past? Why is it important? That, why do I talk about the Old Testament and... and Things like about the exodus and the and the exiles and all, you know why why do I talk about that stuff in church? Yes, remember God's in control and He is the final decision maker, and 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 to show that God is really about rescue. You know, God has. We look at the past to remind us that regardless of how tough of a spot we're in or wherever we're at, God's in the business of rescuing us. He, he's in the rescue of not leaving us where we are, but helping move us forward. The, the entire Old Testament is, is, is the story of God never abandoning the Hebrew people, but always moving them forward. He, even, even if it felt like they were taking a few steps back, they, they took a few steps back, you know, but it was of their own doing. You know, they weren't paying attention to God. They were worshiping idols. They were doing all these different things. They were putting themselves in a position where they were kind of, you know, in opposition of God. But even though they were pulling away, he was still pulling them toward them. You know, and and also it's a, it's, it's a helpful reminder when we see the big things God has done to, to, to put into perspective that if he can part the Red Sea... He can help me with what I'm going through. If he can raise the dead, he can help me with what I'm going through. You know, if, if, if he can heal the leper, you know, if, if he can give sight to the blind, if he can give hearing to the death and the mute, if he can do all of these things, if, if he can rescue his people from a foreign land in, in, in a, by, from a, a powerful world, you know, power, he can do anything he wants. So it, we look in the, we do look to the past to remind us that yes, God is in control and that God has the final say, and that He can help us regardless of what our situation is. Because I can I can honestly say, I have never had anything in life uh, that I've had to deal with that was harder than things like the slavery, being in slavery in Egypt. <laughs> You know, I can't even imagine what that would be like. You know, we we read it was a tough, tough, tough place. You know, but not but nothing I have ever gone through was as bad as being in slavery in Egypt. But if he had the power to free his people from that, he has the power to free me from my situation. That's that's why it's so important to see the past. But again, then of course, I was talking about why why does he. Why does he not want to get them stuck there? I mean, you know, why does he? Why is it important for them not to get stuck there? Because we don't want to be Al Bundys. <laughs> we we don't want to anchor our success and everything that was important to us in the past. We need to be forward thinking. We need to be forward looking. 
It is. The windshield's very much bigger than the rearview mirror. You know, and they were driving. That's a, that's a great analogy. When we were driving, it's important to look at the rearview mirror to see what's behind us. But but the view in front of us is much larger. You know, and that's that, that's very important for us to 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 you know you can't you can't move forward if you try to do things always the way that we did in the past because God sometimes calls us to a new thing a new way of doing things a new a, a new calling a new place a new God calls us to all sorts of new things but we want to make sure we don't get anchored to the old. You know that, that that's uh, that can that can that can really be detrimental to the that can be very detrimental to to our futures if we get too hung up in the past. Absolutely. They have a lot. Let's just think about what God did. And they really do believe that for the most part they do. Reminded of the fact that Christ is. Oh, yeah. Except for a few of them. Yep. Absolutely. Alrighty, let's read Jeremiah 16, 14 and 15. Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Uh oh. Yeah, 16, verse 14 and 15. It says this. However, the days are coming, declares the Lord, and it will no longer be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. But it, but it will be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore to them the land I gave their ancestors. Okay, after reading that. I was looking at that. It says that brought them out of the land of the country. Yes, sir. Well, we're talking more about the uh, looking the context of when Jeremiah was was speaking. He was um, he was talking about the exiles. You know, when he he would return them from their homelands. The, the reason being is, um, it, and this is kind of the context of where the question is going: is we 
we, we at that time, you know, they were focused so much on um, God delivering them from Egypt. Oh, Babylon and Syria, all of them are, the, are, are, from, are from north of, of Israel. So see, this Jeremiah is now prophesying about the future. He, he said, he was saying that, okay, this is the past. There's been, there's been a time where, you know, we've been talking about, you know, we, you know blessed be the Lord that delivered us out of Egypt, but there's going to be a new thing in the future where what we're going to be taught is blessed be God who returned us back to our homeland. When they, they were exiled, they were taken away, they were, they were pushed out, um, and then they, were, then they were brought back to Israel. That was, that was in the future from the time that he said this. But actually, I believe that there's going to be even a larger fulfillment in our future, our future now. You know, the Bible has a tendency of doing this, um, where you'll see a fulfillment of a prophecy in one spot, and he, f- he fulfills it again in, in, in a larger way later. But what Jeremiah is saying is, we're not going to fo- we're not going to focus, going to keep focusing on the Egyptians' uh, bondage. You know, there's going to be a time when we're, we we thank him for returning us to our homeland after we've been scattered and removed from our, our homeland. You know, these are the exiles. But again, I believe there's a possibility this will be fulfilled in an even larger way in the future because that's happening now. You know, the, the Jewish people were scattered everywhere now and they're, they're coming back to their homeland even now. You know, so I, 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 we see a smaller fulfillment there with the exiles, and we see what I believe to be a, an even larger fulfillment in the future, which has also been prophesied about, you know, they're returning to their homelands. Kind of like two, kind of, as you brought them, Israel is up the border. So I'm thinking, you know, I brought you out of Egypt, had you back in the Yeah. 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 And that's it, the exiles was the banishment, and he, yeah. and then he he brought them back. What's being said there? God brought out of Egypt. Yeah, it's just, this was the we, we don't want to get so hung up on just what he did for us, you know, a long time ago. He's going to do an even bigger thing in the future. You know, he doesn't want them to get. He he doesn't want them to get, you know, just just so hung up on just what he did in Egypt because the the return from the exiles was was even was even larger. I guess I get a little anal. I say somebody brought me up out of. I, you know what I mean? Because Egypt is down. Banished them to all these other things. I got. It. Yeah. Well, that's when we're talking about up out of in this context, he's removing them out of a place. Yeah. Up out of, you know, when we think up and down, we think north and south. You know, this this is, he's talking about removing them up up out of a place, not moving them farther north. You know, that's, that's, that's our Western minds. Yeah. 
he, he did. But even though they were banished to the north, they brought, he picked them up out of the north and brought them back. That, that's, that was the prophecy that Jeremiah was, there was going to be a time when he brought them up, he, he returned them up out of, once they were banished from the north, he'd bring them up out and bring them back. See, Isaiah, Isaiah wasn't the only prophet to talk about the Lord doing something new. As the people of Judah were being carried into captivity by the Babylons, the prophet Jeremiah had a similar message. What new thing did God want his people to be able to say? Well, that's what we were just talking about. What new thing did, did he, as they were being carried away by the Babylons, what did, what did God want his people to be able to say? Is it, is it in the future God was going to, to rescue us and bring us back even from, even from Babylon? Because Babylon was actually a, a, a meaner, scarier especially Assyria. Assyria and then Babylon was strong enough to take over the Assyrians. But these guys were even scarier, I think, than even what the Egyptians were. <laughs> you know, they, were they were some they were some bad butt people. So that was that was the thing. That was the new thing God wanted his people to be able to say that there'd be a time that even even not only did God rescue us from Egypt, but He was also going to rescue us from 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 Babylon. Any other questions, comments about that question? No. Okay. It says question number four it says throughout the Old Testament, God called people to things that should have been debilitating but weren't. Because the people he called, he also carried. Guys like Abram, Jacob, Moses, and David were all able to do impossible things because God worked through them, uh, making the impossible possible. What impact does your faith, does your faith plus God's willingness and ability to carry them, have on your faith journey? So, so how does how does God? How does God working with and equipping these guys to do the impossible, how does that help you with your faith journey? Hmm? Absolutely. I think you're absolutely correct. I, I think that helps our faith journey because if God did it for them, He can do it for me. You know, there was nothing that God did through any of these guys. Abraham, David, Moses, any of these guys. There was nothing that he did for them and through him that, he, that he's not willing to and able to do through us. Yep. 
And that's and that's very that's very important, and that's another reason why it's so important for us to be forward facing and thinking about, you know, the new thing because that's that's where that effort takes in, that's where that effort thing comes in. It's sometimes it, it takes effort to step into new things. It takes effort to move forward, and, and what also helps us with that effort of moving forward is is the strength of knowing that if God did it before, He would do it again. God's very consistent. You know, God, the things that we see God do, we see him do it again, over and over and over again. Because he's, he's a very consistent God. You know, when I, look at, when I look at the words of Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you know, you're going to do greater things. You're going to see greater things than what you've seen me do. You know, that's kind of that's kind of mind blowing, you, you know. Just just to think about it, you look what Jesus did, you know, raising the dead, healing the sick, doing all these things, and he said, "You're going to see greater things yet." You, you, you know, so you have to you have to be open to the new thing. You have to be you have to be rooted in your faith and, and, and the faith that we get from reading these stories and, and understanding the, the faithfulness and the consistency of God. But those are the things that are going to really, really cause some really wild things to happen in the future. Because God's not done with us. God's not done with the, with the miraculous. He's just not. You know, just, 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 reading, just reading Revelation, you know, just, just God rescuing Israel at the last moment, we, we, there's some really big miraculous things still in front of us. Uh, you know things that haven't happened yet. You, you know, so this this you know this thing of leaning into the past and, and knowing these guys' stories and seeing what God with them did with them should help give us the courage and the faith to understand He'll do it again. You know, God had special relationships with these guys, but He has a special relationship with you too. He, he just does. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing God's not willing to do for you and through you. If He's called you to do something, He's going to give you what you need to complete that task. Any other comments, questions about God's using the his, the history of the help 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 our own journey of faith? No, no other comments? All right. We'll go to off-roading, page 123. It says, And he called the twelve together and gave them the power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing, nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. Um... But you, uh, but do, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, and stay, and from there depart. And whatever they, whatever they do, and whenever they do not receive you, uh, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. That's in Luke nine one through six. It says the New Testament followers of Jesus 
were on the ground floor of the best new thing, but they required them to look forward, to literally move forward, and by doing so, to put their faith into action. Faith that Jesus could be trusted when he gave very specific instructions. Faith that God would indeed provide for their needs as they served him. Faith that he would have continued to teach and grow them spiritually, enabling them to do more than what they'd ever been thought possible. Faith that the strength of the one who, who parted the Red Sea would, uh, would more than compensate for, the, for, the, for their weakness on their journey. Faith that just, just as God carried the nation of Israel, he would carry them. There was, um, there was no other way to make it work. If they wanted to go with Jesus, they had to leave their old way of doing things behind. They had to relinquish control and trust him to fill in the gaps. The spoiler alert here, he did. Mary Magdalene was a single woman with a traumatic personal history, but she followed Jesus from town to town, trading the familiarity of home for the unknown alongside her Savior, which meant she trusted Jesus not only with her physical well-being, but also for her ongoing sanctification. And over time, she became less like the former self and more like the one she was following. Nicodemus didn't get to experience the walking around with Jesus part, but that doesn't mean he, he never trusted him as Lord. But what a relief it would have been for our beloved Pharisee so concerned with adhering to the law and being good to fall into the strong arms of his Redeemer, to be, carried, to be carried by the only one capable of true goodness, of restoring desperate hearts, and of leading God's chosen to the promised land of heaven. Matthew must have experienced a moment of pause when Jesus gave very specific, very terrifying marching orders. Disciples were sent to the countryside to do what they'd seen him do without food or shelter. They were instructed to do with nothing but the shirts on their backs. Boiled down, the plan was, take nothing because you'll be provided for in your moment of need. For a guy like Matthew, who had once loved the security of money more than people, it was no doubt testing his faith. But Jesus' power carried him along. Simon's self-sufficiency might, might have carried, uh, might have been carried, blah. Excuse me. Simon's self-sufficiency wouldn't have made being carried a foreign, we carried a foreign, maybe even unattractive concept. Plenty of times throughout the New Testament, we see him attempt to follow the Messiah on his own strength, with only to fumble and fall. But Jesus persisted because learning to depend on him was wholly necessary if Simon was going to participate in kingdom building. And by Jesus' grace and his strength, Simon Peter did just that. Acts 5, 14 through 16 says, And more than, more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multiplying both men and women, so that they carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people who gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with the unclean spirits, they were all healed. The early disciples knew better than anyone that the power given to them was from Jesus. Apart from him, they could do nothing because Jesus made the way. So question five. The disciples were asked to travel throughout the region, telling people about Jesus with no provisions of their own. What do you imagine the response of Jesus would have been if he asked you to do the same? 
if Jesus asked you to take off, go on a missionary journey, you know, go, go to Hagerstown. Go to Hagerstown with nothing but, you got to walk, nothing but what you have in your, right now, sitting in your pew. You know, go to Hagerstown with it, preach my word. I'll take care of everything else. You might be gone for a long time. You know, you know how would you respond to that? Yeah. I would be a little rattled. I, I am, I'm a guy who really does not like surprises. The, the, I'm somebody who, I'm somebody who I, I'd like to have a plan. You know, if, if even, if just provision, plan, a plan for shelter, how to make ends meet. That, that, that's you know that, that's, I like to have this plan in my head, a, a sufficient way to make ends meet, so that it works in my head. What what if what if all of a sudden Jesus told you forget this forget this need to you know this need of security, and we all have it. You, you know, think about the hierarchy of needs. You know, this is a here, here's a psychology thing with the hierarchy of needs. What's 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 one of the most basic? What's one of the most basic needs? The bottom of the pyramid: food, shelter, security. You know, so so even science tells us, and I think this is a real thing. At the core, at the core of us, one of the one of the things that we most we care the most about is security. You know, having a place to lay our head, you know, food to eat. So now all of a sudden Jesus tells you to go do something and disregard something that you, this is one of your most core values. How would you respond to that? Yeah, you're, you're, you're both, you're both coming kind of from different sides, but it's, it's very true. Both, I think, I think for me, I would like to say that I would just I'd go. <laughs> I'd like to be able to say that, but but if it was Jesus, if it was Jesus standing in front of me like with the disciples, I may have had, I may have had a little bit, you know, a little bit more faith. But this is where it gets kind of where it gets kind of in the weeds for us. You know, do I do I have enough faith in my ability to read what the Holy Spirit's saying to, to, to just go and do that? You, you know, and that's that, that's a scary thing. You, you know, that's, that's 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 a real scary thing. There was a missionary that our church supported. Huh. Dropped them off, 
and that plane took off with a little bit of supplies they could have in that plane. It wasn't a big plane. They're in the jungles by themselves. He didn't know the language, and that's what he felt God called him to do was to learn the language and translate their language. And I can't imagine that loneliness, seeing that plane fly away, saying that they were back in. I can't remember the time frame, but it was like a month or two. You're dropped off there in the jungle. Oh, yeah. These were, uh, not, at the time, they were, some of them were cannibals. You know? And here you are, there with your wife and two little kids. You've got to build the village uh, to live in for yourself. That, talk about trusting God. That's always made an impression on Jenny, you know, who their well, one of their sons and his wife came to church here. Kids went to the academy. I knew they would go back and forth to the jungle. The risk uh, area. I think they had some die from it. I think. Wow. Jenny might remember. I'm not sure, but I think one of the boys' wives. Area. It just that they always laid a thing on my heart about. I, I don't know that I'd be that willing. He'd say that, but you know, take your family, go. The thing that you always think about is watching that plane fly. Radio communication wasn't what it is now. Got to wait for that plane to come back. Trust that it's even come back. Oh, you know? but uh, they they managed to start learning the language and putting it into. They didn't have a written language. But put it into writing and translate God's word into a form that they could understand. And I know our church. I never got the chance to, but our church took different mission trips. I guess. Bob Quinn went, Rick Farrell, and wow. some others. Uh, it just, that's something that's hard to wrap your head around. It is. And that's. But they lived and they died there. They buried there, yeah. Wow. Kids are still serving there, too. Who is? And their kids. Wow. That that is mind blowing. It's not like the the TV show Naked and Afraid. You can't say, you know, hey, I tap, I'm done. Then somebody comes in a truck and picks you up and takes you home. It's when when you're there, you're there. Um, I mean, that's that that would take a a crazy amount of faith to do something like that. But yeah, those 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 folks are out there. You, you know that's that, that's man, that's a wild that's a wild story that, that's that's amazing. You say they were from Front Royal. Yes. Wow. Yep. Oh wow! It's ten o'clock. Yes, it is that time. <laughs> so, actually, it's 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 a good place to stop anyway because you can't you really can't top a you really can't top a story like that anyway. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, that's pretty. That, that is the most amazing story to me outside of another missionary lady that went to Africa. Yeah. Story that I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah, I'll tell you, those, those folks, uh, it, it, it take a lot of faith. It take a lot of faith to do something like that. Alrighty, so let's let's pray and then we'll get ready for church. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for these these lessons from the past and these these stories that help encourage us and strengthen us. So, you know, in our own walk, in our own faith journey, God, and we we just ask that you continue to increase our faith, and continue to make us more like Christ and less like ourselves, God. Give us some spiritual ears to hear your word and to hear your ways and give us the faith to move forward with what you instruct us to do. God, we love you. We appreciate you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.